0: Thank you for joining me for another episode of PR Girl Rant. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Lynn Hobson, one of New York's sought-after hip-hop artist publicists. Hailing from Washington, D.C., Lynn started her career as a publicist in 1995 while interning at the Terry Williams Agency in New York. She went from intern to becoming Ms. Williams' assistant and a junior publicist very quickly. After leaving the Terry Williams Agency, Lynn was hired as the Director of Publicity for Entertainment Records via Epic Sony, where she launched the careers of artists such as Cameron, Charlie Baltimore, and Junior Mafia. Bit by the entrepreneur bug in 2000, Lynn opened the doors of her very own boutique PR firm, Hobbycom. There she worked with the likes of Sister Soulja, Mike Tyson, Grammy award-winning music producers, Brian Michael Cox, and Rock Wilder. She also had under her roster Gucci Mane, Rashida, Kaya, Dipset, and more. From 2006 to 2009, Lynn produced episodes of My Sweet 16, which aired on MTV, while still operating her independent firm. In 2015, she wrote and self-published her very first book, Diary of a Hip Hop Publicist. This book commemorates her 20 years as a publicist within the entertainment industry. Talking to Lynn was definitely like going down memory lane. I met Lynn when we both worked at Noelle Lane Media. She was a publicist and I was an event planner. She was definitely instrumental in me becoming a publicist. After Noelle Lane had downsized and had let a few people go, I was, you know, searching and looking for where I was going to go next. Was I going to stay in event planning or do something else? I had always told Lynn, you know, once our company got off the ground, if she needed any help to please give me a call. We had kept in contact over the years and, you know, one day I had called her to see what was up. And um, she actually said, you know, I'm looking for someone to help me do, you know, some work. You can learn the publicity um, field, etc. So, I was like, I'm not doing nothing else. I'm out here looking for work. Um, I can keep busy while, you know, learning at the same time. So, it was definitely an amazing time. And that was an era, too, that was really good for the music industry and entertainment. So, it was a lot of fun, you know, working with her and some of the other people I got to meet through her. So, it was great catching up with her. Take a listen. Hey, Lila. Lila. Hey. hey. You Nobody know, know what that is. We don't even remember why we used to do that, but that was just a thing we did. So how to yes,
1: yeah, do that a lot. Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent here in Brooklyn. And you are in?
1: I am in Edgewater, New Jersey. You
0: love Edgewater. I think, you know.
1: Yes, I love being by the water. Something about being by the water that is so refreshing and motivating, you know.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. What are yeah. you doing during this time to like, you know, everybody talk about self care, making sure that you're, yeah, yes, people yes. So to-
1: yeah, so I make sure that I am on a routine. Um, the normal routine for me is to wake up at seven thirty a.m. Um, I, I am doing a twenty one day of abundance challenge with some of my colleagues, and we get on a phone call and pray together at 7.30 a.m., 7.30 to like 7.45 a.m. And then I go for a walk along the water for about an hour and a half. And then, you know, Monday through Friday, I fast. It's kind of like, you know, silent prayer. Fasting is the quickest way to answer prayer. And so I fast from the time I wake up until 6 p.m. in the evening. I eat one meal and start all over the next day.
0: (laughs) So is that something you started doing since? quarantining or is this something you've always incorporated in your life? Cause I know that, you know, you were going through some health challenges and making yes. sure that your, you know, stuff is right. Your body's right. So is this something you started a while back?
1: Yes, I had been fasting. Um, so each year, I'll, I, I, at the beginning of each year I would change, I would decide on which days I wanted to fast. Mm-hmm. So this year, uh, the fasting was on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I wouldn't eat. Um, I would drink, Uh, some things you know if it was a rough day Um, but I don't eat from the time I wake up until 6 p.m in the evening I mentioned and fasting just really helps to keep you focused right you know Um, can't explain it but that it definitely gives you the drive to just push forward I mean because you can't just sit around thinking about eating all day you know to get to what you're doing so fasting helps me to maintain my um, productivity level uh, the level of productivity I want to achieve Um, so you know I have a lot of friends that have lost a lot of loved ones I have two best friends both of them lost a brother each Um, my friend Felicia in Dallas lost her father to COVID um, and, and it's not just fasting for me. I'm just, ba- I'm praying for the world, you know, mm-hmm. healing for the world. Like we need it, you know, yeah. need it.
0: Yeah. So said as a publicist that works, focuses on music, the music industry, album releases, launch events and celebrities. How has this situation affected business and you servicing your clients?
1: Um, I would say, okay, my, 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 my client, the level of client, the number of clients that I normally have. I don't have them right now. You know, I like to load up and take about, take on about 10 clients right now. I have about three to four clients and these three to four clients I've gotten since the pandemic. Some, some, some people have chosen to uh, use the pandemic as a situation to elevate their career and elevate, you know, elevate their, their professional growth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been fortunate enough to land three to four clients that um, have wanted to pay me to do social media marketing Um, blog placements, and uh, servicing press releases during this time. So I have been fortunate enough to um, maintain financially the base, the basis, the basics, the basic needs, okay? Um, (laughs) Okay. And, and you know what it is, it is what it is. You know, every time I see a link for small business loans, grants, girl, you name it, I'm I'm applying for it. You know what I mean? I am leaving no stone unturned when it comes to assistance, you know,
0: not at all. Wow. So have you, so I know we, I've talked about with other publicists about, you know, certain clients we've had in the past or like your longstanding clients. And right now through this, they're just like, you know, we can't afford this is something that, you know, is publicity, publicity, sorry, public relations is always like sometimes the first thing to go. So mm-hmm. have many of your clients said, you know, we're going to take a hiatus, we're going to come back later, or they're just like, you know what, we just don't know. Yeah.
1: Yes, I have a clients, um, one, one particular client project, 215, they're an r and group, they're signed to LA Reed, they're based out of Philadelphia, four young, four, four young men. They're signed to Leland Robinson, Sugar Hill Records, um, Sugar Hill Gang, and um, that that account is on hiatus because they need to go in and record, and they need to come up with a single. And then, you know, I have been able to for the first month of the pandemic, media train them and do, but so many, you know, interviews. But after that, it's like we need to be out in these streets, networking, and you know, building a buzz. So that's on hold, and that's and that's and I understand that.
0: Right. But I like that you are doing other things. I mean, when we first started coming up in this field, we weren't doing social media. We weren't doing these blog posts and you and I have talked about that before. So I'm glad to hear that you're taking the, you know, the opportunity now to do that for your clients. Because now we have to beat that up, right? We have to elevate things that we haven't done in the past. So how has that been for you doing like on social media all day, writing these posts because you have to be on it like I don't know how many times you have to post for clients but like you have a set calendar like how are you doing with that part of you know did you go to no class so I'm, not, I'm so
1: as of right now I'm not physically posting on their pages but at the beginning of each week we talk about what you're going to post how many times a day what you are going to post what is the caption what is the ad spend behind it and I have them doing it themselves and kind of just advising them on that
0: Okay, gotcha. That's key. But it's in the same vein, we still have to, you know, yeah. to see what that to do something different that we haven't done before. Because I'm not a social media. I do social media for myself, but mm-hmm. I don't. Know if I wanted to do that for a client. But right now, that's what's heavy, and that's what what they need because that's the only places they can be to like show. You know, right now, music. I mean, for music, the music industry. I think it's the perfect time to showcase. I mean, they can do concerts on IG they can do all these different things so it's still a good space for people like yourself in this set industry to maneuver and to make a way to get through it right. right
1: yeah exactly yes yes there is still a, there's definitely still a way and then you know i have a client who decided that he wanted to write a book um, and he's commissioned me to to write the book and so that has taken up a lot of my time as well okay and i'm very excited about working on um, it's, it's a, it's an autobiography, um, but with a serious spiritual perspective and I, and I just love it, you know? Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: So on your IG page, I just told you before that I love this, that you pegged yourself Olivia Pope of hip hop. Yes. That. Why did you come up with that? Like, cause I, I mean, I know why, but the people don't know why. And I just remember as back mm-hmm. in the late nineties, how you used to run and how all the events used to do. And it was just amazing. So how did that come about?
1: Well, you know, uh, when scandal first started, you know, Olivia Pope, uh, on the show scandal, she pretty much is a publicist, publicist, press secretary, what have you. Um, and then the, the level of, um, that she had to get into the lives of her clients, you know, and then basically putting out fires, like as a publicist, that's what, that's what I do is I, I I really do fix things, you know? Um, Starting with Mike Tyson, you know, when I started working with him, um, he had just bitten off Holyfield's ear and, you know, (laughs) no one wanted to rock with him, you know, but here I am, you know, this, this little wet behind the ears intern slash publicist, you know, and he gave me a chance. Um, And I, and I, and I was happy to know that, you know, I played an integral part in him, you know, becoming, you know, the next version of himself of Mike Tyson, you know? But just kind of like over the years, I have developed a niche of fixing things, uh, fixing people or fixing situations, particularly in the hip hop industry, Um, like Gucci Mane, you know, Gucci Mane had gotten into it with some of Jeezy's people, Uh, someone died as a result of it, Um, Gucci was being charged with murder. Um, and I had to move down to Atlanta for a couple of months until he was acquitted. Um, And I just had to fight fight on his behalf and kind of be his voice during that time because he was incarcerated. He couldn't speak. Um, And so the record label, Big Cat Records, they afforded me with the opportunity to uh, help him through that situation um, from a PR perspective. Um, And that was an awesome experience, you know?
0: So, I mean, to me, that's so stressful because I always knew that, there's certain PR, you know, angles I don't want to touch. And then when you're dealing with someone's life where you, you know, you may know all the intricate parts of everything and the people like, you know, the outside public, we don't know, and you have to maneuver those things and make sure that the right messaging is out there for, you know, on your client's behalf. And sometimes a client may do things. You're like, wait a minute, you can consult them. You can tell them what to do, how to do, but sometimes they may go rogue and do what they want to do on their own how did you maneuver that and make sure that because rappers can be loose cannons at times how did you make sure that he listened to your you know to what you had to say and the plan of action and where you needed to go next
1: well so back then uh when Gucci Mane was um
0: incarcerated
1: for you know being accused of murder um we didn't have social media he didn't have a megaphone to voice out his opinion or wreak havoc while he was car. <laughs> know or he was just afforded his few phone calls a day so there wasn't but so much damage he could do you know they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have things you know in jail he they didn't have the same access back then that right. people who are have now you know what i mean so that was just totally different you know just just very very totally different i mean you can i i have had circumstances where you know you do make a plan and and a client does go go left you know um When uh, Cameron was shot in Washington, D.C., during Howard University's homecoming, um, I handled the press and PR for that, the damage control for that, and uh, we set up a uh, press conference. And, you know, myself, uh, Cameron, and his then manager, we discussed, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. You know, um, the incident was under investigation, so we couldn't, we had to stay away from certain things regarding the investigation. Um and Cameron he just went up there and just made it about himself. Oh, my album's dropping, you know, next week, you know, and that was it. Drops mic, you know, drops the mic. And it's just like, really? You know, but then, you know, looking back at hindsight, I thought it was an excellent marketing move, you know. Um, but that was not something that we discussed. That's not what we had planned for him to talk about. But hey, you know, that's what he wanted to say and he said it. (laughs) And he sold some albums.
0: Exactly. That was his goal, right? (laughs) talk to me about your journey to pr like was this the first um career you wanted to get into like what was your journey to getting to where you are now
1: okay so um when i graduated from high school i didn't know what i wanted to do or become my parents wanted me to go to the military um i lacked discipline hmm? i said really the military yeah the military they wanted me to join the military girl And I was like, no, I'm going to an HBCU. I got into Howard. Um, My father paid for me to go to Howard. Well, my mother, my parents are divorced. My mother paid for my, I think, room and board in the dorm. Um, First semester got all A's and a B. Second semester got all F's and a D. Um, And my parents were like, you know, something's wrong. You're gonna have to sit out and sit down. And um, during that time, the person I was dating at that time, his name is Greg, Greg gave me a book called The Personal Touch, um, Everything You Need to Succeed in Today's Fast Paced Business World. It was written by uh, author and publicist Terry M. Williams. Um, I read the book. I was inspired. I wrote her a letter asking her for an internship. And the rest is history. You know, um, after I read that book and wrote that letter asking for a PR internship, I didn't know what a publicist was until I read the book. I didn't know what you know, the duties of a publicist entailed. Um, but I fell in love with her story and her journey and I wanted um a piece of it. You know what I mean? And and I went there, did my internship, never went back home to DC. The rest is history, still here.
0: Wow. (laughs) Terry Williams has definitely been instrumental in a lot of our, you know, journeys as publicists. She is amazing. This month is her birthday actually. I think her birthday was last yeah, it was yesterday. Shout out to Miss Terry and Shout out to Terry Williams yeah yes. instrumental in all our journeys. I too read the personal touch, and she actually same to you, I'm sure inscripted her note in the book and has been you know close to me, and besides being as we called her back then, you know, we were respectful and was like Miss Terry Williams. Then she became mm-hmm. Auntie Terry, and now I actually can call her a friend, and that journey was just amazing, and I was actually scared of her like I was like, no, that is like the holy Grail of publicists. There's no way you mess up. <laughs> Because she dotted her eyes and crossed her T's all the way down yeah. with all that she was going through, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Story is amazing as well. So that was yes. excellent. Wow. Yeah. Yes. It. Yes. intern With her.
1: Yeah, so at the time when I was an intern with her, we had clients like Charlie Ward who played for the Knicks. We had the NBA Players Association. We had Essence Music Festival. We represented Johnny Cochran during the OJ trial. Mm-hmm. Um, Boys to Men. I mean, the list of like Black ex- excellence is endless in terms of clients that we handled, you know? Yeah, um, and true. I learned so much from it. Um, the one thing I learned the most is that relationships are very, 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 very important.
0: So what about public relations drew you in? Like, what was the the passion behind it? Because I know for me, it's about the results, yes, but then it's the hard work in between then. And it's a lot, it it is stressful, it's not, you know, it's one of the most stressful jobs there is. And, you know, people would think, oh, you're in the music industry, Um, it doesn't matter, you know. But what about public relations drew you in?
1: What drew me in the most is that a lot of publicists, so they all know, we can all set out to have a plan, you know what I mean? Like, hey, we're going to go do this event over here during this convention time, you know? We can book the venue, we can book the guests, we can book the vendors to put the event together, help us put the event together. But there is always some type of monkey wrench in the situation. In the event, there's always some type of remix, you know, mm-hmm. and I just love the adrenaline rush that I get from putting <laughs> things together, you know. Yeah. Um, the way that things come together is just absolutely, you know, it's a masterpiece, you
0: know, like that only God can perfect, you know, exactly. I remember like talking about events when we did that, events when you used to represent Rockweiler and we did that Moulin Rouge event, mm-hmm. that was like. I don't that joint was amazing I mean you mm-hmm. did such an excellent job and oh, I mean although I was helping you I still stood like on the sidelines just watching like dang, look I mean the girls <laughs> the, the the sponsorship everything and everybody came out when I say everybody came out guys every celebrity rapper you can think of I still have pictures I'm like oh I wish I could find those pictures too and post them but yeah it was just a well put to, and it's yeah. an event. It was an event, and right. remember, like people think, oh, you're only doing PR, you're only responsible for media. No, we handled sponsorship, we handled guests, we handled check-in, we handled lights, camera, action, basically.
1: Right. Yeah. Because I mean, we are really we're holding the culture of hip hop in our hands. We're directing the culture. We're building the culture, adding to it. Yeah. It was Remy,
0: Remy Martin, Remy rocks with Rock Wilder. I I also really appreciated you taking me under your wing after, you know, both of us met because we worked at Noelle Lane Media with Renee and Kirsten. Right. And mm-hmm. although I was doing event planning at the time and you were handling PR, somehow our friendship- World's crossed. Mm-hmm. and every time you said, I'm starting my own company, I was like, okay, just take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> right, Don't forget yeah. me. And when Harvey was stamped in and was for you, like, you know, I called you and he was like, I do need help. Come on down. And you took me yeah. under your wing and I learned so much. And you know, I'm quiet. I'm just, yeah. like, I'm just a fly on the wall and I observe and I, you know, yeah. things. and you really took me under your wing and showed me a lot. We went to Miami together. You took me down to Miami for like, mm-hmm. I don't know it was the viable Awards or something, but it was just great. I was just um, yeah. I was like, this is, this is what, okay, this is what publicists do. Okay, I want to do this. And I want to do this more. You know what I mean? And I really yeah. so enjoyed that. So I thank you for taking me under your wing and, um, you know, showing no me.
1: No problem. Fun times, fun times, priceless times. I wouldn't priceless. change those those experiences for not for anything, nothing at all.
0: You know? It was some hard times. It was like, don't think that everything was in yeah. glamour. We stayed at the best hotels and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I remember one time we had to go down there and we stayed and there was an Airbnb, but we stayed at this little, <laughs> little, little hotel room. But it was cute, you
0: know? We were done, like day two, We <laughs> were like, no, we, we gotta go, I can't, and right. we left. <laughs> Did we leave, Did we go get another room or we left? We, no, we left to go get another room and go into another hotel.
1: Yeah, so That was yeah. another
0: thing I learned from you. You made shit happen. It was like, don't ask no questions. We gonna make it work. But guess all what? Right. It's all gonna be good. And we're gonna have a story to tell.
1: Yes, you know yes. I mean?
0: But that yes. was, urban. speaking of stories, I believe everyone has a story in them. There's always a book in them. And mm-hmm. you decided to write this book. And I love it,
1: love the picture, love everything. Diary of a hip-hop publicist. Yes, 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 yes. Talk diary of a hip-hop publicist. Yeah, so um, during, my, during my beginning years as a publicist, or not my beginning years, for the first 20 years of, of me being a publicist, I, I did I own a diary and I kept a diary and I would write in my diary, not consistently, but like I would write about the main things like, you know, the music producer Rock Wilder and how Remy Martin agreed to sponsor. Because, you know, even back then with Rockwilder, producers didn't get the shine that they get now, you right. know? Um, and so Rockwilder was the guinea pig for all of that. You know what I mean? I'm uh, really pushing him into the forefront of that. Um, so and but I wanted to tell those amazing stories. Um, in Diary of a Hip Hop Publicist, each chapter is named after a, a, a client, a, yeah. a current client or a former client. And... Um they actually have kind of like the backdrop of all the quirky things that were going on in my life during the time that I was representing them, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's, it's an inspirational book. Um, I mainly wrote that book really for kind of like inspire, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs who just want to just get a glimpse of, you know, how hard is it to be an entrepreneur? What kind of things do you go through, you know, and so I definitely painted
0: that picture I I was telling you earlier me reading it because I do know you but it was like a picture show it was like watching a movie because I although I didn't know you in the beginning but I can see you at Howard I can see you being introduced to all these folks and you being in Brooklyn and Mm -hmm. loving Brooklyn coming from DC because you know you're quiet as well but you still have an edge about you so I knew that this stuff right here was just like, no, she can get through, she can get through it all. She makes a way, she makes it happen consistently. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. hire you consistently, you know, to mm-hmm. get them through their, their, their um PR woes and ups and downs. So it was definitely excellent. And I hope that you continue to tell these stories because I don't think a lot of people know the journey of being yeah. a publicist or an independent publicist like us.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Most most definitely. Um, My life has definitely been like, you know, a a hundred thousand piece puzzle. You know what I mean? I got the edges. (laughs) I got the edges put together. okay. but I'm trying to figure out these pieces. You know what I mean? Those complicated pieces. Life is kind of like a puzzle and you just put it all, you know, just have to put it together one piece at a time and take your time. And then over time you will be complete, you know. (laughs)
0: Why do you think you stay in it? Because I know, you know, it's not an easy job. And as we get older, like, what else am I going to do? Why do you Mm -hmm. stay in this field? I know you were teaching as well, but why do you stay in? Mm -hmm.
1: I stay in because I, you know, the business is still there. The calls are still coming in. You know, Um, I try to stop publicity is like a love hate thing. One minute you're like, I'm sick of this shit. And then the next minute you're like, you know what? Okay, let me just give it my all one more go again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have taken my breaks three months, six months, um, no more than six months um, over the past 25 years. Um, but I love it, you know? It's like my baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just
1: love taking things and seeing them grow. Definitely.
0: And what about teaching? I know you did that for a while. You were at um Delen- Yes, I
1: yeah, so I was um, an adjunct professor of uh, public relations in the School of Communications at Delaware State University, which is also on HBCU. Um, I had been invited there during their communications event to give a speech, and I gave the speech, and the next thing I know, Dr. Edwards was on my line saying, hey, we would love to have you teach. So I did. I did it for two academic school years. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my first 2020. I didn't go back. Um, I, my, my contract was over. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved pouring the information into the students and teaching them and learning their perspective on things. You know, what spin would you give this situation? You know, um,
0: I, I loved it. Definitely. Would you, do you think you want to go back to it now in the times that we're in, you know, we don't know where things are going to go. I mean, again, PR is not going anywhere. There's always a story to be told, but Mm -hmm. we need to have multiple streams of income. So do you think you'll go back to teaching, like doing some online courses?
1: Yes. um, I am definitely thinking about going back to teaching. Definitely. 1000%. I have, I definitely have been putting some feelers out about teaching PR online um, for this coming fall. Definitely. Yeah.
0: How has the industry changed from whence you started? You know, PR takes a, you know, every couple of years, every five, ten years, things change. How has mm-hmm. it changed for you?
1: To me, how PR has changed was that, you know, there used to be a formula and a protocol to handle things. How are you going to get this message across? Okay, where you're going to write a bio on the client, you're going to write a press release, you're going to service it to the, to, to the masses, you know. Um, whereas now, due to social media, um, there are no rules. Um, and people just throw stuff out there and throw it up against the wall just to see if it'll stick. You know what I mean? Um, the channels that we used to use in terms of getting in touch with people, uh, the powers that be, the, the the people who can, you know, publicize your news, the way we even c- communicate with them is even different, you know? Mm-hmm. The protocol is completely different. Like, everything is different. There are no rules, you
0: mm-hmm. know? and, and No
1: and rules. No rules cross come on let's tell them right now what you want to say come on we're gonna tell them right now you know whereas back in the day it would be like a whole you know this day is dedicated to the staff learning about this client and figuring out how now it's like listen we're going to do a b or c which one take a vote okay let's do it right now so it's just it's, it's different yeah
0: and then you know? not the same the, the editors that were there before you know they change so quickly and go to different outlets right I, with that anymore right so editors
1: they who used to be known to you know stay at one particular publication for years they're now playing musical chairs like the the turnaround rate for editors seems like it's anywhere from six months to a year it's kind of like they're playing musical chairs you know mm-hmm. so it's still about creating that relationship with that person especially because you don't know where they're going to end, end up you know right, right, um, right. I, I, they're just at another publication or media outlet.
0: Definitely. Tell me about, there was a teachable moment in the book that I love, and I believe you were at um, Entertainment at the time. And mm-hmm. you got fired from that job, right?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. But
0: you learned so much. Tell me a little bit about that. Was that the first job you had <laughs> in the PR industry that you got fired from?
1: Yes, first and only. Um, So, at (laughs) entertainment, I got that job after leaving the Terry Williams agency, and um, we were looking back. Un un is was a notorious BIG's best friend, and Un signed Junior Mafia, Little Kim, and Junior Mafia. Uh, We also had Cameron and Charlie Baltimore, and my job was just to publicize the label. Talk to the media about what the label is working on. Talk to the media about the structure of our recording deal, our distribution deal with Epic Sony Records, and you know, just promote the artist. But Un just had like an unconventional way of running his business. He wanted he didn't just want you to do your one job. He wanted everyone to be involved in every aspect of the job. Okay. So even though my publicity, my director of publicity position, was a nine to five, hey. I went home at five o'clock to eat my dinner, but he, I was expected to be at the studio with the rest of the record label staff to record, uh, to, to be in the studio while the artist was recording. He wanted us to soak up every aspect of the industry so that we could better do our jobs in the morning.
0: Right. But that was crazy. It, was, it, was it was crazy, a, which wasn't a bad thing, but... Right. So where did it go left?
1: Um, it went left when... Well, one thing is that, you know, I, I did not have, when I first started out in this industry, I had a, I was very soft, you know, kind of like a crybaby, you know, stuffy corporate whiny woman, you know <laughs> what I mean? So working with UN and, you know, at that label, there were like 15 of uh, 15 to 20 of us. There were only three women, four women. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, you know, here I am, a woman, you know, in this predominantly hip hop, Brooklyn based label um, out of my element, you know, because I'm from Washington, D.C. I come from the world of go go music. So it was just it was just a little overwhelming for me. I just couldn't handle it, you know, and. What I learned most, what untaught me most from working at the labels, that you know, you have to stand up for yourself. You, if you if you thoroughly believe in something, you have to fight for that. You have to speak up. You know, I wasn't. I was still looking. I was still trying to find my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do say that I found my voice at Entertainment. They pushed me up against a wall so badly that that mouse came out biting. You know, and wow. it, and it happened that you know I was let go as a result, but. I, I grew from that. I had to go through that in order to get to where I am now. You know,
0: that experience gave you your edge that you have now.
1: It gave me my edge. I ain't taking shit from nobody
0: who wanted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another mm-hmm. um, story that I love was your journey to Brooklyn when you were in D.C. and how when you were going to get this um, job at Terry Williams Agency and just yes. how you did it. I'm thinking that and you could tell that story because I want people to hear it, but. The younger, you know, younger people don't have that edge anymore. It's just like, you know, millennials definitely, they, they go from one thing to the next, but you had a tenacity about yourself. Like, no, I'm going to drive down to New York from DC and I'm going to get, do this interview and I'm going to get this job. And you did, but it, mm-hmm. it all came with a lot of other things behind it because you didn't know Brooklyn. You didn't know what you were getting into. So tell right. me about that journey. How did you say, you know, I'm picking up myself and, you know, right. tell me about that.
1: So initially, um, when I got the internship in New York at the Terry Williams agency, I only had $125, I think, um, to my name. Wow. Um, and I took the, I flew up here for the internship. I, I I drove up with my, with the guy that I was dating at the time to the interview. But when I landed the internship, I flew up here by myself. Uh, so back then a a plane t- a shuttle plane ticket, uh, <laughs> to New York uh, was $75 so now I'm left with what 50 45 bucks you know what I mean (laughs) Uh, so I had to learn how to take the train to my friend Charlene's house where I was staying um, during for the duration of my internship and I literally lived off of that $45 for a few weeks off of pizza and soda or a hot dog soda and chips combo you know from the vendors outside in Central Park you know what I mean yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That was my one meal for the day, honey. That's that's what I was eating for months. Wow.
0: And so my unbeknownst to anybody, you're going to the office every day, doing your job, you know, mixing and mingling with all these top clients, and you're just yeah. like, Where's she going? And I'm hungry and I'm hungry. <laughs> and I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think yeah. That, yeah, people, you know, I mean, things of course things have changed, but if people are as hungry as you were back then about things now, I think we can just do so much more. I think sometimes we're just so fly by night, it's like, oh, it works, it doesn't work. Okay, especially millennials, they're like, you know, I love them for this though. They try it and if it doesn't work, they move on. Whereas-
1: Yeah, think- they, the, yeah the thing about them is that they have this whole thing where they want they value their time, you know, um, and I'm like, okay, I understand that you value your time, but you still have to stick with things long enough to just really feel them out to see. Um, you can't just take a, a guesstimate of whether or not this situation is going to work for you. You have, to, you have to dedicate some time to it.
0: Right. And I think there's a balance. That's why I'm saying I learned so much from that generation. So, whereas
1: mm-hmm.
0: for us, we we're like, you know, I'm going to stick to this job. I'm going to do this job, even though I know that it may not, you know, be the best thing right now, but I, cause I have to pay my rent. You have to pay rent mm-hmm. at some point, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To find mm-hmm. a
0: place to live. So, you just do needed to do at that time, but it made you all the stronger and better for it.
1: Right. Yeah. It definitely made me stronger and better for it. It makes me appreciative of the things that I have now, you know, um, because those times weren't easy, even though they were fun times, they were very challenging times, financially challenging, you know, because you have, you know, this, these, these dreams and aspirations, but you have only two pennies to rub together. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um but
0: we I made it work and I and sure. I, you know like I said so working for you was like this was like Michelle This is all I got and I was like <laughs> okay I'll take you it right <laughs> I thought I was with my mom at the time but I knew that it was a yeah. state that I needed to be in and I knew that I would learn so much, you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from that experience. So I took it and I was like, Okay. I mean I met right. so many people because of you, you know. I mean I didn't go into doing um entertainment PR, but it was just such a, I still have, like, like I said, notes and things. I still remember the things that mm-hmm. that made me the person that I am today. So yeah. What would you want to tell the up and comers, you know, interested in a career in PR to know? What do you want them to know?
1: I would want them to know that this, the success in this business is, does not come overnight um this this business entails cultivating a lot of relationships, spending a lot of quality time with people who you deem you know are important for your career, not necessarily in a um, opportunist type of way, but it's just very important that you get your tribe together, and it's very important that you network because relationships are key. uh we're living in a world where you know, you might be standing in line at the grocery store waiting to get in the grocery store, and the clerk might decide, "Hey, we're going to close the store." But if you have a relationship with that clerk, they may push you to the front of the line, let you go in and get your groceries.
0: And I'm okay? sure happens see you
1: all the time, Lynn. All the time. Like I, I, I don't stand in line. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not, you know, a, a non-humble thing. It's just two rules that I've always lived by. No is, is the answer to another question. I don't accept the word no as an answer. Um, and I don't stand in line. I don't believe in waiting for what it is that I want. You know, I don't believe in waiting to get all of my ducks lined up in a row either to go after what I want. Um, I just start the process and then God steps in to provide the next step.
0: Definitely. And education is key too. I think we need to educate ourselves on the, you know, whatever career path it is, But understand Mm -hmm. what you're getting into. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot to learn. You can learn from other people. And definitely Mm -hmm. educate yourself on a career before you just dive in, before you just think it's all glitz and glamour and a party and a red red velvet rope or something like that, and everybody's on a red carpet. It's more to Mm -hmm. it than that. Before before we get to a red carpet, there's so much other things we've done to get Mm -hmm. there.
1: Mm -hmm. Lighting, sound, gift bags, media, ropes, carpet, backdrops. Um, I mean, what publicist still wants to put together a step and repeat? Not me. Not not the one. I don't even think I've learned how to do
0: it in these 25 years. (laughs) That's one thing. Yeah, I'm I'm decent at it. And, you know, they've made them better now, so I'm decent at it. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lynn. I really appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll see each other soon. Thanks again Lynn for joining me today. It was really a great time going down memory lane with you. I had forgotten about, I had almost forgotten about the journey into me you know starting Map Unlimited and the path that I took after leaving Noelle Lane. I had forgotten about that journey and it was a journey. You know it almost felt like I just went from leaving Noelle Lane to finding, you know, job searching, not knowing where I wanted to go, but then winded it up here. And it was all those things that helped me get there. So it was great that she kept a diary over the years to kind of chronicle those things and jot those things down, which was helpful to her writing this book. So I think I'm gonna do more of that. I think I'm gonna definitely start writing things down however they may look, because it is your journey. It is your timeline. Of where you've been. So I thought that was excellent. Thanks for that. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in and until next time, bye.